I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This week, I want to talk about the stars and stunts, the highs and lows of Afropunk 2018. So, yeah, I am still recovering from the weekend. Um, you know, I, Mon and I left Saturday morning, which was day one of Afropunk. And even though it started at noon, you know, Baltimore is still a two and a half hour, like, yeah, it's about two and a half hour train ride, um, from New York. And then we had to travel about 30 minutes across town, or at least from Penn Station, to um, to Brooklyn, where our Airbnb was, um, and then from there we had to we had to take a ride share um, to the venue. So you know we left pretty early. We left for like six something. Yeah, we left like six something from Baltimore. But thank goodness, you know, it's a straight shot, and the station is right by uh, Mon's um, apartment. So it was nothing for us to just pop on and and head up head up to New York on the train, so, but, um, yeah, it, that, that train ride is not for, for punks, and also, like, having to catch the train, um, the subway after having been on, um, Amtrak was something as well, so that, it was, it, we were super busy trying to navigate, um, in the morning, and, um, then just getting to the venue and being able to just chill and relax. And boy, were we ever able to do that. Um, and I'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, the, the, we were smart enough. So we went down on day one of Afropunk, but we definitely came back on Monday, um, following day two of Afropunk because, there was just no way that I was going to be able to function and go to work at nine o'clock in the morning after having partied all weekend at Afropunk. It just wasn't going to happen. So, um, yeah, I'm glad Monica talked me into, um, taking the train back with her on Monday, but even by Tuesday, I was still dragging. Um, and you know, with good reason, you know, it's just, it was just a lot. So, but I had so much fun. Um, didn't wear the right shoes, but you know, I'm growing. All right. I'm growing. I wanted to be cute. So I took cuteness over comfort and I'm not going to do that no more. Um, I'm changed anyhow. So yeah, I'm going to get into what I thought was super cool about it. Um, this being my first time, what I found really interesting, um, definitely some of the folks that I ran into, um, and then some of the some of the weirder things that I ran into that Mon chalks up to festival life and I chalk up to a a number of different things. Yeah. Aspects of it is festival life, but then it seems like there's a little bit more to it. Like it's a little, it's a little deeper than that. And I'm, and I'll get into what I'm talking about um, later, but yeah, for now I will kind of just delve into what like brightened my eyes and got me excited. So, if you listened to last week's ep- episode, um, you'll remember that I said I was looking forward to seeing some podcasters I knew were going to be at Afropunk, right? Yeah, I saw not one podcaster I recognized. Um, Turns out that the venue was real big and comfortably held the crowd size on both days, which was different from day to day. It's like, it's clear that folks did what me and Mon had done when we first bought our tickets back in April. Um, I was like, Mon, which day would you like to go based, uh, which day would you like to go to the fest based on, um, the lineup and, we ultimately concluded that we couldn't decide, so we just went to both days. I'm personally glad that we did, 
but based on the size of the crowd and just kind of the look of the crowd from day one to day two, I could tell a lot of people just chose one day over another. Anyhow, um, so I'm sure I walked past a few podcasters that I recognized, uh, that I would have recognized several times had I been paying attention. Um, come to find out, uh, Queen and Jay from Tea with Queen and Jay were both there. Um, and Jay, I for sure saw in a mosh pit at the pink stage, um, where basically they were paying, playing all punk, um, music at that particular stage. And we were both at, we were both watching Black Pantera, um, at the same time, only she was in the mosh pit and I was in the back eating ice cream, um, on day two. So yeah, I'm sure I, I, if I had been paying attention, um, I would have noticed them, but me and crowds have a complicated relationship. Like we really don't mess with each other, but like we have an understanding anyhow, but the, the thing that blew my mind was I just randomly saw some TV stars, TV and film stars that you would recognize. Um, and I certainly recognize one person. I cannot remember their name. And I hope, um, for anyone that is listening, if you know the name of the person that I'm going to describe, please send a little note, um, the, to me, however you listen to this podcast, or you can just go to, um, anchor.fm and message me directly on the page there. Um, uh, the link is going to be somewhere. Anyway, if you go to the page, if you go to baybaltimore.weebly.com, the link to anchor.fm will be there. Or you could just search me going straight to the anchor.fm page, but I need your help figuring out who this person is, but I'm going to describe to you what this person looked like in a second. So, um, so on Saturday, um, Mon and I were minding our own business near the, what they called the hair village. Yep. They had a whole section of vendors at Afropunk selling hair because duh, and they were selling bundles, colors, wigs, all of that stuff. It, it, hello, it's Afropunk. Come on. Of course we're selling hair. Anyhow, I stood right next to this tall and slender drink of water with silver sparkly boots, a black leotard. I think it might have been crushed velvet. Although maybe it was spandex or whatever. It was too daggone high for crushed velvet, uh, a crushed velvet suit. Um, and then a large I'm pretty sure it was like a large crushed velvet floppy hat. It was beautiful. And for the record, trust me when I tell you, however large you think this hat was, it's even larger than you think. Um, anyway, so let me describe to you where I know this person from. And it took me a minute, but because they pretty much have a signature style of always wearing hats. That's how I was able to recognize them. So there is a VH1 show. I believe it's on VH1. I don't know if it's canceled. I don't know what season it's in, but there's a particular, um, gay man who wears his face is always immaculately done. He's brown skin and he's tall and slender. Maybe he doesn't appear tall on TV, but he's very slender. Um, and to me, he was tall. I'm five, five and a half. So he was taller than me. Anyhow, um, he always wears hats. Like that's his thing. He's very, very well styled and always wears hats. Anyway, why I remember him is very unfortunate. And I told the story to mine about why I remember him. It's because on this particular show, there was an episode where he was having relationship issues. And I really think it's a New York based show. So that kind of narrows some of your characters down. Um, Openly gay male, very smart dresser, um, iconic hat wearer, like statement hats, always wearing a hat or a headpiece. Anyway, um, so the reason why I remember his storyline is because he was dating this person that had done him wrong several times. And it broke my heart because, you know, you can make an argument that folks are doing things for a show, but like there was a piece of this that made me think, I don't think he kidding around. Like, I think he kind of like him for real. 
because it was just because of the motion behind it. Anyway, this guy who he was seeing was super cute, but like he lied and cheated a lot and he would keep taking him back. And then to the point where he, um, the guy that I'm talking about, the star that I'm talking about that wears the hats and is always immaculately, faces are always immaculately done. Um, always looks great, tall and slender, brown skin. I'm sorry, I keep going through it. Anyway, um, he kept taking him back. He kept taking this piece of trash back because you could tell, why does anybody take anybody back who's repeatedly done them wrong? Fill in the blank reason. I just felt so bad because he would get into fights with his best friends because his best friends didn't like this dude for obvious reasons. He was he was doing dirt. He was doing his friends wrong or he was doing their friend wrong. Anyway, that's the reason why I remember this beautiful creature is because he was done dirty by this jerk of a person who just wasn't living right. And I don't remember what became of their storyline. I don't remember if this person cut him off for good so he can go and live his life. But that's why I remember. And anyway, he's just as gorgeous as he was to me on TV, um, in person. Heck of a presenter. Um, definitely presented. If you were at Afropunk, he presented um, Lion Babe. Shoot, what day was that? Whatever day Lion Babe played, he presented he was one of the presenters on, on the red stage for Lion Babe. So I don't remember the show, which means I don't remember his name. I thought it was Andre, but I don't think it's Andre. It's, it's not Andre. It's something, duh. But anyway, so I saw him, so we saw him first and I was just like, okay. And I was real, real, real close and I wanted to take a picture, but I was like, I don't even remember his name, what I look like getting a picture with somebody who I know is famous or at least I know is well known, but I don't remember the name. Like what kind of person am I? And would I take a person, would I take a picture with a person who didn't know my name? Certainly not. So moving on to the yellow stage, which was not very far from Hare Village anyway. And they had they had like six different stages. They had the pink stage, the red stage, the yellow stage, which they call the gold stage, but that was a yellow flag. Moving on. Um, the black stage, which we never found, and I'm pretty sure it never existed. Um, the green stage and, and the orange stage that I never went to because for what? We were just so busy. I mean, that shade, but we were busy. We were like doing other things. Anyway, so we were moving over to the gold stage, which AKA is the yellow stage. Moving on. Um, and we were in the drink little area getting drinks and chilling. We had, um, I think we had eaten earlier. Yeah, yeah, we ate earlier at the food trucks. It was a vegan food truck. And I had a vegan, a vegan burger wrap. Um, it was cool or anything. It was real nice, but not for the amount of money that I spent on it. And you know what you're getting into. You know you're going to pay more for things at festivals. But, like, that didn't hit it for me. But thank God the next day on Sunday, I was able to get my money's worth at this restaurant that was, um, was like Jamaican and Nigerian fusion of uh, food. Real, real good. Um, anyway though, but on Saturday, so after we'd seen that, uh, reality TV star, so we had meandered over to the, um, gold stage and we were chilling at this point. We had already had at least one drink and we were sitting down because at this point it had been hours and we had been standing. And because I didn't have the good sense to wear proper shoes, my feet hurt and Monica's mom's feet hurt too. So we were just sitting, drinking and relaxing. So I'm grooving to the beat. We're sitting down. We're leaned against the fence. And Mon turns to me and is like, I think this guy is famous. And she's talking, she's talking about a guy who's maybe about 50, 50 feet, maybe not 50 feet, maybe like 10 to 12 feet away from us. And he's leaned against the other side of the post uh, of the fence, this little fenced in area that they're calling the drink area um, at the yellow, at the gold stage. And he's in regular shoes, white t-shirt, New York hat, I think, like a, a like a New York fitted, um, and some jean shorts. And he's just looking inconspicuous, real regular. Um, and I look, and I'm like, oh, I don't really see nothing different. So it takes me a minute, but I'm like, I and then I turn to mine, and I'm like, 
we do know him. He's been on TV. He played in Moonlight. The person we were 12 feet from was none other than Andre Holland, which you'll remember Andre Holland. If you watch Castle Rock on Netflix, he's the he's the protagonist in, in, in that in that show. If you watched Moonlight, he is Chiron's adult friend. How can I describe that? You know that relationship. Come on. Anyway, he's the guy that hangs out with Chi- that Chiron runs to when he needs toward the end when he's trying to find himself and trying to be true to himself. Anyway, he's played in a thousand other movies. I'm pretty sure he played in American Horror Story, the one that I didn't watch because I thought it was stupid, like most of those, no shade, um, because of I just don't like how they play, they put people of color in there. Um, Ryan Murphy, to for me, Ryan Murphy, he has, his only good turn that he's done is Pose, and that's because he had a whole bunch of people of color and a whole bunch of people in the LGBT community who were right there probably with the reins and I'm hoping with the reins. Um, but no shade. He, that's the only show that he's ever gotten right. Um, but I just hate how they always, if there's one black person, it, there can't be too many black persons if people. It's almost like there's got to be a quota. And if there is a black person, you know, one person is in the lead. Nobody else can be in the lead. Just can't happen. Um, and I know what you're thinking if you're talking about um, the one that was sitting in New Orleans about rit- or witches. Think again. Both Angela Bass- Bassett and Gabrielle Bay were at best uh, supporting cast. They were not in the lead in the least. Um, Di- uh, Angela Diane Lang? No, that neither. Neither name is true. What's old girl's name? Shoot. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. They weren't in the lead. They were real strong actors and they had really great characters, but they were not lead characters. Moving on. Um, but he was, he's, sorry, I, I got distracted. Um, anyway, Andre Holland has been in so many things. Let me tell you about him. So I took my tipsy butt up and I walked over there and I said, is your name Andre? Excuse me. Is your name Andre Holland? And he said, yes, it is. And I said, I love your work. I don't mean to bother you. I just want to tell you how much Moonlight meant to me. It was a beautiful film. I'm glad you had a part in it. Um, And then I kicked myself at the end because I was like, dummy, he's currently in a show. Can you talk about his current work? But, you know, I just had to get that out. And I didn't want him to be a creep. I didn't want to feel like a creep. He asked me what my name is. I told him. But my mission wasn't to tell him about me. My mission was to tell him about how much I enjoyed him. So I finished making a fool of myself and then I went on back to my business. After a while, he meandered away. But I was just like, why aren't more people running up to him? He's kind of cool. But at the same time, it's like he was inconspicuous and everybody else was busy on other stuff. So day two, and I'll get to other stuff in uh, after a while. Day two, we see up close and personal Padma. What's that woman's last name? Padma from like Top Chef and, sh- and stuff. Padma. Shoot. Man, I wish I would have looked this up. I didn't. You know who I'm talking about. She's got sh- uh, books on uh, New York Times bestseller books. Um, she used to be a model. She's uh, from India. Um, she's got this scar on her arm that she never bothered to um, to cover up or or to surgically, um, cosmetically make more beautiful because I think she took a stance that this is who I am. So I'm not gonna scars and all, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm just as beautiful with scars as I would be without. So I'm not, I'm not dealing with this anyway, beautiful as you think she is in person. She had her little, her little baby, um, who's probably a toddler at this point. Nobody bum rushed her. A few people stopped and took pictures, but nobody bum rushed her, which I appreciated. Um, also, she just happened to come up when I was finishing a chicken box. Anyway, um, well, not a chicken box. They don't call it a chicken box. It was chicken. It was jerk chicken. So it was a little spicy because I remember I got it. I told you we were over by. No, I didn't tell you this. We were over by the Jamaican slash Nigerian fusion kind of. Uh, booth and on day two we got food from there mine had plantains and rice because she's a vegetarian and I'm just picky and so sometimes I eat chicken and fish and sometimes I don't and I eat other things I felt like I wanted some chicken 
So I had some chicken and it was all right. It was, it was pretty good. Um, anyway, so I was feeding my face and so was Monica and this woman just going to walk past like she was looking for something. I don't like, I'm sick of this. These fancy people stop being around the commoners, go where fancy people go. So I don't feel like a dummy trying to find a wet, wet night, a nap or a wet wipe to clean my hands so I can run up and tell you how awesome I think you are. Like, it's rude. I'm just trying to chill. Anyway, but she's as beautiful as you think you, she is. She's actually that way in person. And she didn't have like a whole bunch of makeup on or anything. She looked like a regular person. It's just one of those regular people that's real, real pretty. Anyway, um, so those are the three, fo- excuse me, those are the three folks that I knew about that I saw in, in person or that I recognized that I start, saw in person. Um, like I said, I am quite sure that I saw tons of other people that I would have recognized had I been paying attention. But me and crowds are have a complicated relationship. And so I was more focused on getting to a spot where I felt like I could breathe than looking out for stars. Also, there were some other interesting things that were happening the whole time which kind of caught my eye and maybe caught a little bit of my ire too so let me just talk a second about the crowd stunts that we witnessed on both days. So if you go on Pinterest like Mon and I did to try to find cool outfit ideas, you saw cool outfits and then you saw cooler outfits and then you saw some ridiculous outfits like girl or boy or however you identify. What do you think you're doing out there like that as if to say you're going to stay in that all day. And I'm not judging a person to say, oh, why'd you come out the house like that? I'm literally saying that outfit is impractical for hot weather in August in a park with no chairs. You know what I mean? Like you've got to have special chairs and a fan next to you in order not to melt out of that outfit. You know what I mean? Like stockings and boots with some socks and a damn dress and a, a, a wool cap on, you know what I mean? Or like stockings um, and some itchy old, itchy looking, or even like wool <laughs> or um, not wool, but like velvet or something like that outfit. Like it looks real cool for a picture, but completely impractical and probably not good hygiene health, um, especially if you're a woman. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, let's keep it real. Like, We have sensitive places um, that require the right moisture and temperature balance. And if you are not allowing your body to breathe and all parts of it to breathe, you are caught. You are just asking for trouble. Um, And that's just the facts of life. This is real life we're talking about here. So I'm just like, okay, y'all look real cute for that picture. But like that isn't practical. And I'm pretty sure those sparkles and that sequence chafes um, because you have thighs in this thing. Anyway, but again, I'm not being judgy. It's just I saw over the top, very cool outfits on in the photos in the Pinterest photos. And I don't know what the heck I was expecting to see um, in real life, but I was not disappointed. I saw plenty of stockings under dresses yet again, and it was hot, as I had mentioned earlier. It was too hot to be wearing some stockings. I don't care if they're ripped. There's still stockings on your body. Anyhow, but I saw some other outfits too. So let me just tell you, the trend in fabric or material was in no order, mind you, in no order. Um, But the top ones for me that I saw were um, feathers, leather, sequins, um, flowers, of course, and lace. Saw a lot of sequins though in very specific ways. So there was this one person, I think it was on Saturday. No, it was on, um, yes, it was on day one. On day one, that's where I saw for the most part, lots of sequins, lots of feathers. Flowers, of course, but lots of sequins and feathers. 
and the sequins outfit that stood out to me the most, which was bad, mind you. It was bad. It just wasn't practical for me. Um, and I don't think it was practical, practical for the person that was wearing it, but it was bad. Anyway, so follow me. This, let me start with the feet. This person had like combat boots. The only way I can describe them is like Jodeci boots. Platform Jodeci boots, but they were white. And they had sequins, like iridescent sequins all over them, right? And they had some white socks on. So the combat boots were like past the ankle, but like not at the calf. You know what I mean? Like that, that mid area. And they had white socks on. Then they had shorts. Let me tell you about these shorts. So let me just go ahead and, and save you the trouble. The shirt and the shorts were sequins, right? But let me tell you about these shorts. What made these shorts special were these shorts were essentially cut into chaps, chaps that went all the way around your legs. So picture the crotch and that behind being out of your jeans, but you still have the waistband. You still have the legs of the shorts, but you don't have the crotch. Um, and where the fabric would be for your crotch and the behind, you see this person had on a bikini bottom. That was essentially what? Sequins. So let's talk about it for a second. If you have thighs at all, the tops of your thighs are exposed and they're touching the sequins that's on your bikini bottom. Mind you, standing fierce, had the pose together. Completely impractical, but looked beautiful. I hope if you go to uh, Afrim Fest, or Afrim, Afropunk Fest, I hope this person made the pictures because you can't go through all that discomfort for nothing. I hope they made the pictures because they were just, they looked really great. Just completely impractical. Then I saw someone that had a flower, uh, uh, a feather cape on Saturday. Now this cape was bad impractical because it was white and it was dirty outside you know and it was dragging on the ground but beautiful I don't even remember what this person's um outfit looked like I just remember that feather cape and how it was done well it wasn't gappy you know what I mean like sometimes people you know go and endeavor on this big project and then they get lazy and instead of covering every square inch with big feathers that are proportionate to the fabric they just kind of fill the outline and then you know, kind of fake it with bigger sized uh, feathers in the middle. Nope. Whomever created this cape um, did their thing. They did what they needed to do. And so, so that's one person. And the last person that I'll tell you, uh, well, I'll tell you about two more people. So one person I saw looked real regular, um, nice flowy black gown and a nice flow, not a gown, just like a dress of like a summer dress with some combat boot, combat boots. Then a uh, shawl, like a uh, kind of like a burnout shawl, it was kind of light, um, that was down to the floor. Both of the outfits were the the dress and the burnout uh, shawl were both black, and they looked like light material. But this person had on a blonde wig, and face was done, mind you. The blonde wig did not; it was it it went like very well styled. This thing was to this person's. The back of this person's knee, and I dare say, it almost, at least the peak of the of the hair, went past this person's knees. But you know what? Put together and well done. The the wig was brushed, not a knot in sight. Beautiful and just flowed as this person walked. Gorgeous, very gorgeous. And then the last one I'll talk to you about is this woman that was walking past, and she had a headpiece on that was nothing but flowers, and it was huge. Multicolored flowers was huge. Face was done. I don't remember what she was wearing because at the end of the day, the focal piece was the fact that she looked like a painting. Her face was beautiful. She was beautiful and she was brown and the flower set it off. I wish I would have taken a picture, but I was too busy trying to find a place to sit and be cool and not be hot. But she looked gorgeous. So when I tell you about stunts, so what I mean by stunts is you look really great and that's fine. But you having your red carpet moment in like the middle of the crowd. So like all eyes on me. And I get it, you know, you put in a lot of work and energy into your outfit. You want to be seen. You want it to be seen. You want to get a reaction out of people. I don't mind that. 
What I had an issue with is these Negroes were sat in the middle of the only the few walkways that we had, in the middle of stages, uh, sets, end of, like the end of sets, like in between sets. They would literally stand in the middle of uh, of the walkway, the the one way out of this particular stage area, to take pictures or to have pictures taken of them because they look so fabulous. I'm not hating on how fabulous you look. What I want you to do is get out the way so I can get past. That's the only thing because you're creating a bottleneck. One time we were trying to get from the pink stage and we were coming up this little corridor and just go with me here. On the left of the fence, you had the red stage and on the right of the fence, you had the big green stage and it led to Hare Village and all of the activist tents and all of that. And in the middle, you had to walk down this corridor to be able to get to the gold stage and what they said was the black stage, but you know, I never found it. Me and Ma never found it anyway. But we were trying to get from one end of the, the this fence to the other end. It was pretty far away. And there was a huge bottleneck. Couldn't figure out why. We finally got past the source of the bottleneck. These Negroes had decided to do double dutch on the side of the only way that we could walk past. What is your issue? Find you an open area in the grass and do double dutch. But what you not what you shouldn't do because you have home training and was raised better is not to do double dutch in the middle of the only walkway, the only way we could pass. One way and one, it was basically, if we were on the road, it would be one lane traffic, two lane traffic, you know what I mean? Where it's, I guess they call it one lane, where you can only go one way in one direction and there's only one lane in the other. You were literally doing double dutch in that little small area, I'm trying not to cuss. Anyway, but come on, that's what I'm talking about, stunts. Like unnecessary shows of, to try to get attention. I don't mind you looking cute. I don't mind you wanting to get pictures. But I do mind when you stop me from getting where I need to go. I do mind when you are creating problems. That's what I do mind. That's what I'm talking about, stunts. But other people had other things in mind when they were talking about um, stunt, when they were talking about the culture and the environment of Afropunk. And I'll get into that because there's some, some nasty things that were going around during Afropunk on uh, social media. That was just mind-boggling to me. Um, but before I get to that, I definitely want to talk about performances. So let me talk about the top performances. And I'll, I'll, I could talk about this for ever but I will keep it brief and I'll a brief and I'll go I'll go day one um the artist that touched me the most on day one and then I'll talk about the artist that touched me the most on day two so day one um we were over by the gold stage <laughs> excuse me sorry and um yeah there was this DJ that was on um actually just just a little note about all the DJs they were bomb Every last one of the DJs I feel were bombing between um, the artists who were, you know, who had the sets. Um, they were just the bomb. And one of the DJs that stood out to me was Theo Parrish. I'd never heard of him before. Um, but we were in the line, in the in the bar line for the gold stage or nearest to the gold stage. And we were in the line. And as it was inching up, as the line was inching up, because these bartenders were slow as molasses. And I'm going to tell you why they were slow as molasses in a minute. But as they were, as the line was inching up, I hear a song that I was familiar with, but it didn't hit me until like as I was grooving. I was like, I know I'm familiar with the song because I play it all the time. It was uh, Fela Kuti's Water Get No Enemy. And I was just like, I was not expecting to hear that while I was at Afropunk. I don't know why. It's black music. It's the part of the diaspora. It's black music. Anyway, so I'm shimmying, I'm boogieing, my shoulders are rolling, my hips are moving. And, um... And so are other people in the line. And as we, as I'm boogieing and we get up to the front of the line, I realize why the line was slow. slow. And it's because the bartenders was boogieing too. Um, boogieing a little bit too much to the point where they were, first off, they were slow in getting people drinks. People were confused about what they wanted to order. Then they were boogieing to go make their drinks and then boogieing back to go give it to them and get paid. So I was just like, this is way too much for me. Anyway. But we got our drinks and then immediately went over to who I now know was Theo Parrish, why he was playing his set. 
And you could tell when somebody's just like really into the music that they're playing and what they're doing because they are boogieing. I mean, he would put on his little stuff and then he and his, I guess the, his partner that was up there with him boogieing, they were boogie together. And I'm just like, you proud of your stuff. You proud of these things that you coming up with. Like, these are your songs and you enjoy this vibe that you're creating. And, you know, there were stunts that were happening in this little area too. But for the most part, everybody ignored the stunts and they were too busy getting their life as well. Um, and so it was like, what I could des- the best way I could describe who was over there is, it was about a crowd of about 40 folks, but it was like the faithful. It was like these folks who were in the middle of the day is hot but we still boogie because I can't help it. This music is on point. So Monica had to tear me away because we had to go see somebody else. Um, but that his, he was the bomb and he actually played for like three hours, something like that. And, um, yeah, I think he closed down the gold stage for that day and he was just great. Um, then we saw Lion Babe perform, which I enjoy Lion Babe. Um, she was at the red stage. I enjoy Lion Babe, but you know, I sing. I'm not, I don't do it professionally. I do it um, in the church and I do it where asked, but I'm not a professional singer. But I do have a singing background. And when I haven't practiced in a while, when I haven't practiced singing, breath control, um, controlling my voice to get range, you know, to be able to hold notes and, and, and hit my register. Um, on the low end and on the high end, you can tell when I'm singing, or at least I can tell when I'm singing. It's harder for me to hold notes. It's harder for me to hit, make, uh, hit, you know, sing the song like it needs to be sang. Um, that takes some coordination and that takes some skill and practice doing it. I mean, if you know how to, you know, after I haven't smoked a cigarette or haven't had eaten a cheeseburger or what have you, um, go right into singing and being able to hit all your notes and, and have the breath control, um, without having to practice good on you. But like most people have to practice. And so what I'll say about Lion Babe is that she was really into the choreography that she learned. Um, but I don't think she really practiced hard. Well, two things, either she didn't practice hard for, (coughs) she didn't practice breath control with the choreography or she went too hard on stage because she was geeked and as a result she kind of lost focus and she was just gassed the entire performance um or not the entire performance at least what I saw um because I didn't want to sit there and critique I just wanted to have fun and I wanted to still enjoy her uh, and their music um Mount and I left um and I heard my favorite song on the way to go to another stage um space was it rocket rockets Anyway, um, and it sounded good from a distance. Um, but yeah, breath control is important. If you want to do this thing for a living, you know, you kind of need to practice for your live shows, especially with there's choreo. Um, now if she went a little too hard as she, cause she got excited. Well, she, you know, that, that's, you can fix all of this. It's just, I know she could sing. I just think this wasn't her best moment. So there's that. Uh, so there, that was Lion Bay. So we left Lion Bay and we're walking around eating, you know, resting and things like that. And the only other artist I'll talk about on Saturday was um, Miguel. I know Catronada was supposed to close the show. We left before um, we could hear whether or not he was going to close it. Um, and I still don't even know if dude closed the show. But we stayed for Miguel, and let me just tell you something. He made a fan out of me that day. Um, the only song that I really, truly resonated with him, uh, with me, uh, w- that I connected with Miguel was Adore, and I hate that song. I absolutely hate it. It's corny. It's not even well sang, in my opinion, and that's just me. Um, I hate it. I absolutely hate the song. The runs don't even make sense to me. Um, it's not like you can, like, <laughs> anyway, I, I could go on and on, but I won't. Um, but I hate that song. So I was listening to Spotify maybe six or so months ago. And you know how Spotify and, and most music services, when you listen to a playlist that you've put together or whatever, at the end of that playlist, or if you're listening to an album, at the end of that album, they'll either they'll recommend other songs for you to listen to. In the case of an album, they'll recommend the next album in that artist's um, repertoire 
or if there's not an other, uh, another album, they'll do what you, they do with playlists, which is to play other songs that are sonically similar to some of the songs you just listened to on the playlist or on the album. And so I must've been listening to somebody that sounded sonically similar to what Miguel was doing at the time. And the song that came up was Skywalker. And I listened to that song and instantly fell in love with it. It sounded like he was comfortable with what he was singing. He was comfortable in where the song was going. Um, It was well put together and it really showcased his voice. Um, And so I was intrigued, but I wasn't a fan. This performance at Afropunk made me a fan. Yes, he played a door. Yes, I rolled my eyes. But the other songs that he sang in between, including the Spanish language song that he sang, I really enjoyed. Um, And then he had the nerve to close his set with Skywalker. And the way he closed his set was so beautiful. It was so professional and just so great. I could not help but say, you know what? Why lie? I like Miguel now. And yes, I had to tell my husband that I like him. And it is what it is. I'm a fan. Um, I just, I, I'm a fan now. And so I know he wasn't the artist that was supposed to close um, the festival that day. Like I said, I don't know if Kate Trinata performed or not. We left because there was like a weird dead silence after Miguel left the stage. Um, and so for me and mine, that he basically closed day one. Um, if we missed out on Kate Trinata, I'll catch him on the flip side, but, um, yeah, Miguel was, he, he was enough. He did, he did a good job for me anyway. So day two, real quick day two started out. I, um, we got there a little bit later on day two. Um, was it Swiss beats or was it just blaze? I think it was just blaze. Just blaze had a DJ set. We were back on the gold stage again, um, on the gold stage side of things again. Um, the crowd looked a little different this time. Um, more leather, you know, clearly people had picked what they wanted to wear or clearly they had picked what they wanted to, um, listen to uh, what day they wanted to go to. And a lot of people, a lot more people chose to go to day two, probably because Erica was closing. I don't know. Taking a wild guess. Anyway. Um, so, you know, Swiss Beast was on there and he was doing his thing. And we were in, yet again in the line, the gold line. And them heifers was back there boogieing once again. Um, and so, you know, things were taking, we were taking our time. Or they were taking their time and the line was long. So we were standing in line and then all of a sudden I hear this voice. That sounds like Busta Rhymes. And so I'm like, huh, cool. Um it takes someone in the other in the line next to me to say yeah that's Buster Rhymes and then he begins to rap and so we're in the middle of the line I feel figure it's not going anywhere I can find mine um so I run over and I get there in just in time for him to start rapping and for everybody in the area to start vibing I'm holding on to my hat making sure it doesn't fall off and just as I'm getting real good into the groove this Negro runs off the stage I guess they both him and Swiss Beats were uh, over time um, so they had to leave for the next artist and I'm like, okay, it's whatever. Um, but I run back and of course mine had moved like two inches, um, in the line. So it wasn't like I couldn't find her, but I just, little moments like that were fun for me. What helped make Afropunk fun for me. Um, yes, Buster Rhymes is homophobic. Yes. Um, Erica Badu has issues. Um, I resonate with their music because they hit me in times where, it just hit me and they, I connected so much with their music. It's hard for me to divorce myself from them. Um, some of these newfangled folks, it's nothing for me to cut them off. It's harder for me to cut some of these older artists off that I have been listening to since I was a child anyway. And Buster Rhymes is one of those artists that it's hard for me to cut off because I've been listening to him for so long. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that he's a homophobe and he needs to change anyway. Um, so we did that. And then we ran over to um, the pink stage, which was across the way on the venue, and picked up some ice cream, picked up some strawberry, uh, not strawberry, but raspberry sherbet. Um, And we were listening to this group called Black Pantera. And I've never heard Black Pantera before, but I've been listening to them off and on ever since. Um, Mine has been listening to them because, yeah, she liked the music and all, but she really thought they were cute. (laughs) So anyway, that's her thing. 
Um, I think they're handsome too, but like I enjoyed their music and I loved what they were, what they were, their message that they were preaching, um, that they were sharing. Anyway, they had an opportunity to do mosh, like a mosh pit or whatever. And, um, yeah, so we were over there and enjoying that music. And then we walked over, um, you know, we came back and I think there were some other artists that stood out that I thought on day two were pretty great too. Um, but let me just cut to the quick. Um, Erica Badu closed the show and she should have closed the show. That's who you get to close the, the day, the, the event. Um, that woman knows her voice. That woman can sing in the range that she's able to reach right now. That woman, it's like her creativity is endless. Um, she has a way of singing songs that you're familiar with that she's probably bored to tears with at this time, but she sings them in a way that are still familiar to her fans, but still probably get her creative juices going. Um, she'll add like little ad libs in there, something like that. And it still, it doesn't change the impact of the song, but it, it, it changes it just enough that I think would keep it fresh for her. She's a performer. She sounded great. She was the person that you should close your show with. Um, and to have her be my last memory of Afropunk is, is what needed to happen. Um, I thought this was a mix of great performers. It was great. Um, you had everything. You had even Kendrick Lamar. Not Ken, no, not Kendrick Lamar, my bad. You had Pusha T, which it's whatever. But Pusha T, he, he, he performed for a rap artist. And wow, that was about to get real judgy. He, he did a good job. He really did a good job. Um, I'm not into Daytona. I haven't even listened to Daytona. Um, he did a good job. I can't hate. He did a good job. Anyway, um, but yeah, Erica Badu is how you close the show. I appreciated Miguel. Miguel, I appreciated Lion Bay for what it is. I appreciated the exposure to new artists that I had seen on their lineup before going to Afropunk, but that I had not really given a chance. Um, and so I thank Afropunk punk for exposing me to new artists that I will listen to for a while to come now but those comments about the overall culture I can't ignore so let's get down to it um on Saturday after the festival I had gone on social media and I was you know sharing with family and sharing with friends my thoughts on Afropunk day one and as I was just kind of looking through other folks comments and, and the hashtag Afropunk uh, 2018 and just all the Afropunk hashtags I had um stumbled across a thread from I don't know if it was somebody that I follow or somebody that was just in in one of the hashtag threads anyway um basically saying how much that Afropunk has changed since it became a free venue and now it's full of posers who have six-figure jobs during the daytime and then they play dress up on the weekends basically and they're not real um Afropunk people and there were a whole bunch of comments saying, yeah, this change is it's turned into trash. Why did they make it? Uh, why did they change it from being free? It's supposed to be different than that. It's supposed to be, you know, it just saying all the things that Afropunk was supposed to be. And interspersed with that are were a few lone comments to say, and why do you have to be so critical about this? This is an opportunity um, that doesn't exist in many places. This is a space that doesn't exist on the scale that it's operating on anywhere else really except the venues that afropunk itself has chosen across the world paris south africa um atlanta um london you know so on and so forth um yeah but the overall critique is like oh this thing has changed it's for posers now it's not the same um and i just took offense to that so i chimed in and i was like you know this is my first time coming and yeah there were people there that were stunting but like I just moved away from them and I went to other places where the vibe was cool. The venue was large enough. And I got a lot of people that liked the comment because a lot of people feel the way I do. Like you policing, you're policing how people express themselves, which I thought was antithetical to the whole point of Afropunk. Basically saying there are different types of black folks across the world. They speak different languages. We, we look different. We live different. We 
love a different range of music, but it, there's this thread of our skin and our experience that makes us all a part of the black diaspora, the, Afri the African diaspora, I should say. And you sitting up here policing how someone can enjoy a festival that is supposed to be about being inclusive of all blackness. It's supposed to be a space for black people. And you sitting up here criticizing it. Now, mind you, there is critique to be had. I saw way more white people than I expected. Um, and uh, T with Queen and Jay made a great point about the fact that um, in certain, some of the VIP areas, there were bars that were staffed by white people, but they were talking about Jamaican, they were pumping Jamaican product, which Jamaica is a majority black country. There are white people and non-white people that live there but um, a non-black people that live there that aren't white. But nevertheless, it's a majority black country. And it, it's basically, I think the name of the country was like a Jamaican name or it was like giving homage to Jamaican-ness. And all the bartenders were white. In the crowd where Mon and I were, again, we, most, we spent a lot of time on the gold stage in the gold area because it just felt better over there in many cases than it did on the main stage or it did on the black stage and sometimes in the pink stage, really. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so, yeah, we saw a whole lot of white folks and Mon made this statement that resonated with me. At first I laughed, but then I thought about it. She's like, you know, I'm less concerned with the people who are out here making stunts and I'm more concerned with the unaccompanied white people here that aren't accompanied by people with basically what she was saying is she's more concerned with the white folks that are just walking around here willy nilly without a black person with them. And it sounds harsh, but this is a black space. We want to make sure you're an ally. We want to make sure you're not one of these walking in with a cool runnings t-shirt, you know what I mean? Or Rastafarian hat, but you sitting up here just perpetrating perpetrating a fraud I'll give you a good example there were plenty of cases where I it was very cringeworthy one of the cringeworthy moments that was described to me which was described by Queen and uh, uh, Queen and Jay which is you got a bunch of black people back here but this bar is staffed by all white people you mean to tell me you couldn't bring out no black staff you couldn't bring no black staff that would attend your bar none for your company then I had we uh, Queen, uh, it was either Queen or Jay or both made a great point about all the photographers that you saw around the venue. By and large, many of the photographers that I saw that looked like they were being paid or professional photographers looked like they were white presenting. So that was a thing. Then the cake for me, which just, it was so ironic and it's just so surreal actually, the situation by which I saw all this. There was a quartet of Asian women who were walking around in African print pants and their hair they had a head wrap on that was clearly wrapped by somebody who knew what they were doing either they bought the head wrap from one of the vendors at the location at Afropunk or they had an, a friend who knew how to tie head wraps but they were all African print head wraps and they kept posing and taking pictures with the peace sign up and it's set wrong with me because I'm just like, you know, we're all African descendants in one way or another. But some of us present more than others. And Asian um, descended people don't necessarily all present as African um, or African descendants. And it just felt wrong. The, the, the optics on it were wrong. And they kept posing and taking professional pictures. People would stop. It, it was a stunt to me. And they would stop. And some people were taking pictures. Now, um, oh, by the way, one of the stars I saw was Leon. Just randomly saw Leon, you know, from Waiting to Exhale, Leon. Anyway, um, I think he was on a reality show, too, or married to one of the reality show stars. Anyway, um, but the cameraman that was with him stopped and took their picture. This, this quartet of Asian women um, who were dressed in African attire. And then it was so funny because Mon and I were walking, I think we were walking back to the pink stage to see uh, other artists, Trash Talk. We were walking to see Trash Talk. Um, and while we were walking down this skinny little corridor um, in between stages, the, the quartet was in front of us and there was an Asian woman, Asian presenting, she was Asian, I just don't know what country um, her people were from or... Um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what um, part of the Asian diaspora she was a part of. 
anyway, but she was clearly Asian presenting. And she did a double take. And I was just like, so I'm seeing this and I'm having an issue with it. I'm looking at her and she definitely has an issue with it, but she's not able to, uh, either she's not able to articulate it or she's trying to figure out if she even should give it some energy. Now, if I'm a betting woman, I'm thinking she just, she was probably like, you know what? I'm not going to give this the energy, but this is messed up. What you're doing is messed up. Um, but yeah, there were definitely stunts at Afropunk, but I don't think the stunts warranted, warrant us to boycott Afropunk. I believe there are things that need to change. You need to hire more black staff behind your bars, tending your bar, taking your pictures. It's Afropunk. Do that. Um, and people, if you're buying a ticket, I realize you bought a ticket. Maybe somebody bought it for you, but please be respectful. Be respectful. I didn't hear too many homophobic comments. I didn't really see any rapey things happening. There were borderline rapey things happening and borderline homophobic things happening, but nothing overt um, that I saw. But yeah, there are definitely things that need to change about the festival, but that it's, that it's no longer free, I think, is just a way to sustain a brand. Um, it is what it is. Afropunk is a movement. It's a brand, and I get it. I'm not taking that from you, but just make sure black people are always a part of it on behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. Um, and y'all, if you're participating, don't be weird. So yeah, my overall experience at Afropunk was phenomenal. I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed how far away we stayed. We weren't super far. Um, I enjoyed the venue, the atmosphere, the food, the artists, the time I spent with Mon ahead of her birthday. Um, the art installations were pretty cool too. Um, I didn't buy anything there other than food and drinks. Um, maybe next time I'll do that, which there definitely will be a next time. Um, I don't know if it's going to be next year because Mon is talking about going to Pitchfork in Chicago. So... Maybe not next year, but there's definitely going to be another opportunity for me to go to Afropunk. I've never been in an, in an environment where it was majority black folk, and I truly felt comfortable outside of family reunions. Outside of being with family, I've never been in a space like that. I didn't go to an HBCU. I have an HBCU that's right up the street at my house from um, at Morgan, you know, but I've never truly been in an experience where outside of the sorority life of course but like truly been able to be my weird self no I've never been in an experience like that and be around a bunch of other black folks that were just as weird or weirder um and that meant a lot to me it means a lot to me and it means a, and I know it means a lot to other people and I want that to be available for years to come I also wanted to stick with black I do. I want it to stick to the diaspora. I want it to continue to support blackness. Um, Mon made a really great comment, and so did T with Queen and Jay, about not just because you're South African doesn't mean that you can take over a space. And we got to be careful about the white South Africans that we invite into our space, even when we're going to Johannesburg in South Africa. Um, I think I've shared before that my family... Um, We've done mission trips with the church to South Africa because the pastor um, was South African, a white South African. And we've seen some nitty gritty, been down to it. Um, and some of those white South Africans are dirty dogs um, to this day, dirty dogs. Not, a, not everyone, of course. I shouldn't even have to qualify, but you know, I'm not saying everyone. But some of them are dirty dogs. Um and not allies in the least bit. And so I just want to make sure, I want us to make sure that we're keeping allies, we're aligning ourselves with true allies and people who will help us elevate black voices across the globe. Yeah, so that's enough of that. Um, be sure to visit uh, Bay Baltimore at weebly.weebly.com um, to see my 3 a.m. jams and other madness that I put up there. Um, definitely 
talk to me about that artist, that that YouTube star whose name I do not remember. Um, again, tall, slender, wears hats. His thing is hats. Um, New York. Um, New York-based reality star. Definitely want to know his name. Definitely want to keep up with him because I just really felt for that storyline because if that... It's not a part of... I, I never necessarily experienced it, but I know a lot of people who are close to me who did. And that never feels good to be that friend who sees another friend suffer, but that friend won't let go of that suffering. Not the suffering, but the person that's making them suffer. And so I hope he's well, and I hope he's not connected to that person at all. I hope that person is long gone out of his life. But anyway, I want to know who he is. Um, also, just give me max ratings, good ratings and good reviews um, on any of your the apps that you listen to. If you feel like donating, um, do that too through the anchor.fm page. Um, but really, I just want to hear from you. I want to stay connected. Um, yeah. All right, that's the show. Take care. Thanks for listening.